Episode 2 of Lay the Juice is here. I'm Sam Maxwell. We're back on the Believe Podcast Network for more after a exhilarating Sweet 16 and Elite 8. Again, this is Sam Maxwell, your host. You can follow me on Twitter at smaxwell713, joined again by Darren Sai, my co-host. Darren, how exciting was that last weekend of college basketball? It was phenomenal. It was absolutely what we expect and love about March Madness. Completely agree. I mean, th- this is really why we like this sport. I mean, it was all over Twitter. You know, and I completely echo the sentiments that uh, last weekend was the best collection of college basketball games uh, I've ever seen. I mean, you had so many tremendous games, all of them decided by, you know, a couple points here and there. You had upsets. You had blue buds going down. Um, you had the star power. You had the coaching star power. I mean, it was it was spectacular to see the emotion, obviously, of Tony Bennett getting to his very first final. Final four, um, you know, after essentially losing the game after that missed free throw, they come back to win that game. Uh, and, and of course, you have all kinds of tremendous storylines of this final four. Um, again, this is Lay the Juice episode two. I'm your host, Sam Maxwell. We have joined the Believe Podcast Network. Uh, you can download it on Stitcher, iHeart, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you like to get your podcasts. If you do like this podcast, you're listening to it now, please hit us a subscribe. Give us a five-star rating if you enjoyed. If you don't like it, as always, you can email your feedback to either one of us, uh, and we'll happy to address some of your concerns. Let's get a little bit further, Darren, into kind of breaking down last week, just kind of you know high-level stuff here. Anything that surprised you? Anything that you thought was especially exciting? I love seeing Auburn win. I, I didn't really believe that they would win, but... I, I forgot, and I didn't really say it, and I didn't take it into account, but when one of your brothers goes down and their season ends, Auburn has something more to play for compared to these other teams. So taking that into account, I mean, kind of makes sense that they won. I don't know if I necessarily buy your logic that it makes sense if they won. You know, what you're saying, you're referring obviously to Chuma Okiki, uh, who you know underwent successful torn ACL repair, um, I think it was yesterday, um, that, you know, they wheeled him back out there and everyone kind of was galvanized by his presence. Um, I think there's something to say, to be said for that. I don't necessarily think that they're a better team without him, though. He's a very important player for them. You know, I think those kind of emotional effects, um, you know, only maybe last for that particular game, maybe even for that particular half. There is something to be said about Auburn, though. They continue to get better. I continue to doubt them, obviously. They they seem to obviously um, be getting stronger almost as the tournament goes along. You know, I think it's unquestionable their worst game in the tournament was their very first game where they probably should have lost New Mexico State. Uh, and I think their most impressive win of these four was the most recent one against Kentucky. Obviously, it was their best opponent that they faced. It was, uh, you know, interconference rival. Um, they played a very close game at home against Kentucky. I think they lost by two. Uh, but then in Lexington, they got absolutely annihilated by the Wildcats. And they were obviously able to come up with the big win last weekend. Um, so, you know, they're playing great ball at the right time. I just don't know if necessarily they're a good match for Virginia, especially with a little bit more time to set up for them. Uh, but it was super fun to watch them play. I mean, Brett Brown is is uh, he's looking like Alan Iverson out there. He's very slippery. He can get a shot off whenever he wants. Bruce Pearl is sweating through all of his shirts. That meme of him shaking his head. I mean, it, it was just so fun right. to watch that's, that game. That's what we love about March. I mean, not to mention Harper. Harper is playing like an MVP. I mean, those two combined, I think, for 50 or 75 points. Um, so, yeah, that, that's quite the tandem, certainly. 
Um, again, this is Lay the Juice episode two on the Believe Podcast Network. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. You can find my Twitter handle, your host, Sam Maxwell, at smaxwell713. Darren has a Twitter. He's not quite sure if he wants to share it quite yet. Maybe an uh, episode seven or eight will able to uh, uh, rip that Twitter handle from him. Uh, any other thoughts, Darren, from last weekend before we kind of move on uh, to the main show of the Final Four this weekend in Minneapolis? I'm sad that Purdue's out. I don't like Virginia. And I am surprised that Michigan State beat Duke. I'm very happy that they did that. And it kind of goes to show that the one-and-done model is not necessarily the recipe for winning championships. I mean, are you really surprised, though? Michigan State has tremendous talent themselves. They have a Hall of Fame coach. Um, A lot of people felt like they were underseeded as a two-seed uh, I always thought Michigan State was going to, you know, maybe a little bit surprised after watching that game, but Duke just didn't seem like a team uh, that was truly as, you know, as good as the entirety of their talent kind of indicated. I mean, they almost lost, obviously, to UCF, and they probably almost lost to, you know, Virginia Tech. Um, I thought this was a great game and a great test. I'm not surprised at all. That's a fair analysis. That is fair. I, I, I just think that Duke is is way, is much more talented. But the experience Unquestionably, factor. but experience factor was too much for Michigan State there. It's not always too just about the experience. It's how cohesive teams play together. And I just felt like sometimes Duke didn't have that. They were just standing around waiting for Zion to make plays, as we talked about uh, on our last podcast and and how, you know, it's been very well documented. This team just can't shoot. Uh, And, you know, as dominant as Zion was throughout this run, you never really felt like this was a cohesive team uh, where a number of players can, can beat you up. Uh, they play better defense than I thought they would, to, to be honest. But, um, you know, the margin fair in college basketball is very, very thin. You know, obviously, they only lost by one point. Uh, if R.J. Barrett makes that free throw, uh, if the things go a little bit differently down the stretch there, or really any point in that game, you know, Duke wins, and we're talking about one of the most talented teams of all time going back to the Final Four for the first time since 2015. Um, the most surprising one to me was actually Texas Tech beating Gonzaga, and, and not just that, but the way in which they did it. They were so dominant towards the end. It wasn't just obviously that technical of reaching over by Perkins that kind of sealed the game. Um, Texas Tech seemed like the better team throughout that game. And, and to be honest, looking in a vacuum, I think Texas Tech has been the most impressive team uh, of any team in the entire country throughout this tournament. They've been consistently dominant on defense. They've faced a very difficult road. Um, they haven't faced you know the easiest road um, throughout, obviously, they had to beat Michigan. They destroyed them, and then they face the number two overall seed in Gonzaga. Uh, you know, they face a defensive team, they face an offensive team. They, they just crushed both of them. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of like people they're complete. I think a lot of people underestimate them, and not not hundred percent. Coaches probably did prepare their teams to their best to the best of their ability, but they had probably never played anyone like Texas. Says. I mean, Culver is literally unstoppable when he goes to the rim. I don't know that there's anyone it's, physical enough in college basketball to defend him. It's funny you mentioned that. He, I, I was actually, I had this on my show notes for our breakdown later. And I'll, I'll just kind of give it a little tease here. But, but Culver actually hasn't been that great by the numbers. There's actually room to improve for their best player and, and potentially the best player in the country right now uh, in Jared Culver. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, anything else that stood out for you from this past week? Anything that you're excited for the pageantry of a Final Four in Minnesota, which, by the way, I think is supposed to get pretty good weather. A lot of people were concerned about that as we looked forward to this particular Final Four with that brand new, beautiful football stadium there. Um, anything else you want to talk about before we move on to breaking down these two games? Nah, let's go. Let's break down the games. All right. So first game, of course, is going to be Auburn and Virginia. And that's going to be at 6.09 Eastern. Of course, this is in central time uh, up in Minneapolis, at the U.S. Bank Stadium. 
the over under the last I saw was 131. Both these over unders are actually quite low considering uh, the tremendous defense that, that all four of these teams play. Um, now, we'll start with you, Darren. Auburn, Virginia, give me your thoughts on this one. Like I said earlier, Auburn is playing inspired basketball, and it's looking like their backcourt combo of Brown and Harper are pretty much unstoppable, and they're going to lean on those guys to do the bulk of the scoring. I think something that is kind of overlooked is that Auburn has been out-rebounded in both of their last games, but they have won the turnover battle in both of their last games. So I think that the turnover battle is going to be a big indicator of who wins this game. So if Auburn can continue to get these deflections and steals, which will be really hard against this Virginia team who protects the ball well, they'll have a good chance to win. You mentioned, obviously, the the kind of defense that Auburn plays. They swarm you. They get a lot of deflections. Um, they're actually number one in, in the entire country in, in forcing turnovers. Virginia uh, is number 12 at not giving up turnovers. It's a, it's a strength-on-strength battle. Um, Auburn, as you mentioned, you know one of the hottest teams in the entire country. They've won 12 straight games. Um, they haven't lost since that February 23rd game, which I talked about previously, where they got absolutely annihilated, smashed by Kentucky. They ultimately got the last laugh, of course, knocking off Coach Calipari in the Wildcats last weekend. Uh, it really is going to all come down once again to how Auburn's going to shoot the ball from downtown. In the first half of their last game, they were okay. They you know, didn't shoot lights out that second half. They absolutely were on fire. I mean, it looked like they got their shot whenever they wanted to. Uh, as you mentioned, Harper and Brown combined for 50 points. They're a little bit shorthanded. They got an inspiration boost, an emotional boost, of course, when Okiki came back out. Um, this is a fun matchup. I mean, it's two coaches that go about things completely differently. Uh, it's two programs that go about things completely differently. They have similar colors, which is kind of cool. But, uh, I mean, you have Bennett Ball, slow it down, don't turn the ball over, play tremendous defense against Bruce Pearl, recruit the hell out of the country, you know, run, force turnovers, and, and you know, Take whatever shot you'd like there. Um, obviously, the strength of Auburn is the three-point shooting, as I mentioned. They actually are so reliant on the three-point. They're uh, number seventh in the country in percentage of points that are scored from beyond the arc. They're number 15 in the country in three-point percentage. Guess what? Virginia's defense is number three in the country at defending the three-point line. Uh, and Virginia, yeah, but, as I mentioned, has. But Carson Edwards made 10 of them in one game against them. I mean, if you want to, you know, we can talk about Carson Edwards if you want. I don't think as good as Brown and Harper are playing, uh, I don't know if there's a, a single player in the entire country that is playing as well as Carson Edwards was playing. I mean, uh, he, he was absolutely lights out throughout this entire tournament. And I don't I don't think you can take what Carson Edwards did in that game and point to it and say this kind of exposed a weakness in Virginia's defense. I think that was more just Carson Edwards doing transcendent things. Yeah, Carson Edwards is a big-time shot maker. Harper and he Brown banked in that one three time shot makers. There's no question, but you obviously have to look at these things in a vacuum. Uh, and you know, Auburn's playing sensational ball right now, but I just think the way Virginia matches up here favors the Cavaliers. I think the extra prep time, the extra rest time, uh, it actually favors both teams, obviously, with Auburn being a little bit shorthanded. But you know, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and take Virginia with the points here. I think they will win by about eight to 10 points. Both these teams are average. Free throw shooting teams, actually Virginia's a little bit above average at the 52nd team, uh, 52nd highest percentage in the country. Um, and I'm going to take the under here. I really like the under. I don't think Auburn's going to be able to uh, explode as much as they have in the past. I think Virginia's going to slow them down. And they probably haven't played a team like this in a while. I mean, 
Kentucky obviously does that to an extent, but not quite. They seemed like they were getting sped up there uh, in the second half here. So I, I really like Virginia to win this game. The points are a lot. I can totally see Auburn, of course, with those threes late in the game, making a comeback and covering. Uh, but I really like Virginia Moneyline, and I really like the under in this game. Uh, what are your picks, Aaron? I don't think you uh, mentioned this. Sorry about that. Yeah, I like Auburn points. I'm leaning Auburn to win, and I'm leaning the over. I'm going all against what you're picking. So we're we're on totally opposite sides in this game. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you haven't liked Auburn this whole tournament, and I've liked them this entire tournament. To be fair, we both liked New Mexico State in the opening round, so it's not like you can just say that. You know, go back in time and say that you've liked them the whole tournament. I liked New Mexico State with the points, but I liked Auburn to win. I had Auburn upsetting. Okay. All the way until UNC in my bracket. We see this a lot where teams go through spectacular runs. They get to the final four. The lights are turned up. Uh, the sight lines, more importantly, are much different playing in a football stadium for shooters. I think it actually favors the defensive teams. You can, I don't have any data to back that up there. Um, but it's going to be difficult. You know, they're going to get there. They probably got there yesterday. Um, you know, they're shooting around, obviously. But, um, you know, adjusting those sight lines is a big, big deal. I'm going to take the team that does the fundamental things right and take the team that plays the better of the two defenses. That is unquestionably Virginia. I've been wrong about this Auburn team before, as you mentioned, pretty much every game this entire tournament. Uh, you know, it'd be interesting if I was wrong again. I just think this is finally where their run comes to an end. Well, we'll agree to disagree. I'm with Charles Barkley on this one. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I'm with Ralph Sampson uh, and, you know, number <laughs> Justin Robinson and, and a number of other uh, great Virginia players. Um, so just to recap, Darren likes Auburn with the upset. He likes Auburn strongly, I imagine, with the points, and he likes the over 132. Uh, there is kind of a correlation there if you like Auburn. 131. I, almost, I like the sorry, over at 131. 131. <laughs> there's almost a certain correlation there. If you like Auburn, you should absolutely take the over. There's no possible way in which they win a slow, grinded-out game. And if you like Virginia like I do, then the under is much more in play. So that's a recap of that first game. Going on to the second game here, this is at 8.49 p.m. Eastern. Of course, that's going to depend on the length of that first game. We have... I think it's going to be the best game of this entire tournament, potentially. Texas Tech facing off against Michigan State. The Spartans are a two-and-a-half-point favorite. We have the over-under here at 132-and-a-half. Darren, give me your thoughts on this one. Just to start it out, I'm leaning with Texas Tech in the points, but I do think Michigan State will win. So I'm leaning Texas Tech points, leaning at Michigan State to win. I like the under here. I think that... Michigan State will try to push the ball early in the shot clock, which is what they did against Duke. But MSU has shown that they can go three or four minutes without scoring. Um, And when they do that, um, their defense is what keeps them alive. So that's kind of why I like the under in this game. I think it's going to be a really gritty game, a lot of defense. And like I said earlier, I think that it's going to be hard for Michigan State to stop Culver. If he is aggressive and goes to the bucket, that opens up everything else for their shooters, their other shooters, right? Uh, Davide, Moretti, and Mooney. Can those guys stay hot? I think that depends a lot on Culver's aggressiveness and playmaking. Conversely, though, Michigan State's offense, when Winston is going, he might actually be the best pickup basketball player in the world. He's got the floaters. He knows when to pass. He's super intelligent. He just He's a really pass. crafty player. He, he really is. Right. He would be the, the, the quiet guy in the pickup game that, you know, scores eight of the 11 one-point buckets, and no one would even know. Okay, so just recap your picks for me one more time here. Leaning Texas Tech, because I think it'll be a close game, but I think Michigan State will end up winning it. So leaning Michigan State money line, and I like the under here. Got it. Okay. 
So we're going to agree on this one almost entirely. I actually really like Texas Tech in this game. You know, first glance, I was like, Spartans are going to win this game. I actually thought that line was a little bit generous to Texas Tech. The more I dug into this game, the more I started liking the Red Raiders. Um, you know, both these teams are extremely well coached. They're, they're essentially mirror images of each other. Texas Tech is actually the number one defensive team in the country. Michigan State is the number nine defensive team in the country. And let's just give so much credit to both these teams. No one in Duns. No one, you know, not a lot of unheralded or uh, big-time recruits. Um, you know, obviously Tom is a Hall of Fame coach coach with or without this second championship he's kind of said that it's it needs he needs the championship to legitimize his legacy there which i think is a little bit um unfair to him um chris beard i think is one of absolutely the rising stars of this entire sport i, I saw a tweet that you know four years ago this was a division two coach angelo state he took little rock arkansas to the to the tournament and, and they won a game i believe there a couple years ago uh he went to unlv for about a month and now obviously he's built an absolute juggernaut uh, up there in west northwest texas um, Michigan State's been the better offensive team throughout the entire season. I mean, Texas Tech just could not score, obviously, throughout most of this year. Uh, but recently, you know, they're starting to shoot. They've got shooters in Mooney. They've got shooters in Moretti. I mean, they, you know, you saw his family there in Moretti. Um, and and they're, they're shooting well enough, scoring well enough, where I think they can absolutely get this done. Um, you know, as you said, Culver's going to be a matchup nightmare for this Michigan State team. Uh, and what I'm especially afraid of, Darren, for this Michigan State team is that they don't have a lot of depth. If you look at this team – uh, Cassius Winston played 40 minutes in that game. McQuaid played 39 minutes. Henry played 38. Goins played 38. Uh, Nick Ward was in foul trouble and played 13. Tillman played 29. They basically have a six-man rotation, um, which you know doesn't usually matter in a 40 game, 40-minute uh, game. Um, but you know this is the fifth game of this tournament. They've played tremendous competition. They're coming off of a very close win against Duke. They're going up against Texas Tech, who I imagine is like, uh, you know, having a root canal to play them. They're going to need some depth in this game. And I think they're also going to accumulate some fouls and some troubles. And I think the extra depth that Texas Tech has over Michigan State is going to be a factor. Uh, We talked so greatly about Cassius Winston. I think he's an outstanding player. It took him 23 shots to get those 20 points. He was not entirely on his game against Duke. Obviously a very difficult matchup for him. Um, but it really, I think, to me, is going to come down to can Kenny Goins put in threes? Can McQuaid put in those threes? They combined to go three of 12 in the last game. That is not going to get it done against the Red Raiders. I'm going to go ahead and like Texas Tech with the points. I'm going to lean them money line. I'm going to agree with you. I like the under, but I'm going to lean towards just because, like I said, both these teams can score. We just don't know exactly what type of game this is going to turn out to be. Right. Uh, but I'm very, very confident the Texas Tech team. I actually think they're the odds on favor right now to win the champion. Really? Yeah, maybe. I mean, they're playing really well. Like I said, I think it depends a lot on if Culver stays aggressive and attacks the rim because that opens up everything for them. I think another matchup thing that we need to look at for this game is if Tillman and Ward are aggressive because if they can get Owens in trouble, that hurts Texas Tech's ability to control the paint on defense. Yeah, they play a good enough team defense where I don't think it's going to be really exposed. And Nick Ward and Tillman aren't really terrific post offensive players they can obviously score um but that's not the strength of their offense obviously it's, it's all about the shooters it's all about cash defense and creating for everyone else he had 10 assists in this last game um it's also worth mentioning that that michigan state should theoretically have a large advantage on the offensive rebounds they're number 24 in the country uh, creating additional possessions through offensive rebounds and texas tech's actually 198th in the country uh defensive rebounds so that potentially uh is going to be you know something that favors them uh, but, you know, we didn't mention this. I mean, Texas Tech, we, we were texting back and forth that game that they had against Gonzaga. It seemed like every single interior pass was deflected. They get their hands on 
everything. And that's creating not only turnovers for, for Gonzaga and various other teams, uh, but it's creating you know fast break opportunities for Texas Tech. And, and when they get those opportunities, it's obviously uh, even more important, even more impressive and difficult to stop them. Right. Yeah, I think that'll be an interesting battle too um, because Texas Tech is an elite turnover-creating defense, but Michigan State is an elite team that protects the ball or they're elite at protecting the ball. I mean, in their last two games, they only had seven turnovers in each of those games. Seven turnovers against a Duke Blue Devils defense that is really good at generating turnovers. Really good. Terrific athletes and, and terrific against, you know, in, in the paint. To put it in perspective, right, Michigan State had seven turnovers while Duke had 17. All right, so we're going to recap it real quick here. So Darren likes Auburn points. He also likes them to win outright or lean outright, and he likes the over. Island that game was completely opposite. I like Virginia to cover. I like them to win, and I like the under. In the second game, we both agree that we like Texas Tech here, but you think Michigan State is going to pull it out, and we both like the under. I'm actually leaning the under, um, so I'm actually going to take unders in both these games here. I think it's just going to tighten up. We're going to see a little bit more fouls called um, here in these I couple did, games. I actually did put in my show notes. I didn't, re- I didn't say this, but for the Texas Tech-Michigan State game, proceed with caution on the under because this game could definitely go to overtime. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I unfortunately uh, had that happen to me last week. And I don't want to talk about it. So, uh, you know, sometimes you can make the right call. It's just that close of a game. No one hits a shot. And then, it of course, goes to overtime. So yep. um, that's true. In both these games, if either of them go to overtime, they're, they're very likely to go over. And that's a risk you take, obviously, by taking unders. In the same way that it could go to overtime, there's also a running clock in college basketball. And so you lose sometimes three, four, five seconds when the ball kind of trips away. Something they have to account for with the over as well. And keep in mind, obviously, um, that both these favorites and both these overs are likely to be very public plays. So you're going to get a little extra value if you like the underdogs, if you like the unders. I think those are more sharp bets, uh, not to say that they're, they're going to be correct or even you know kind of take the most money. Um, but typically you see both the favorites uh, and the overs because obviously the public is heavily paying attention, heavily betting these games now when they weren't two, three months ago. Um, all right, so that's going to be the final four. That's going to be a Saturday night in Minneapolis at U.S. Bank Stadium. Uh, we're going to do a kind of continuing with this, and, and I'm pretty sure you know how this is going to go. But we're going to do a little quick draft here uh, of these four teams. Basically, we're looking to pick the winner uh, of this tournament. That's going to be ending, of course, on Monday evening. Darren, I did a random draft pick. You have the first pick. You're going to take the team of your choice. I'm going to take two, three, and, of course, whatever's left over, you're going to take. And whoever wins, whoever picks the winner outright is going to get free dinner. How about that? I like it. With my right, first pick, I'm going to take Texas Tech. Interesting. Okay, I was probably going to do the same thing. And uh, for anyone listening, you're probably very surprised that we're both so high in Texas Tech. But as I said earlier, um, they're the team I'm most confident in. I think they're playing the best of any of these teams. Um, they faced hard competition. It's not like they, you know, just because Michigan State played Duke, that Texas Tech hasn't faced a tough road. And they've played different types of team. They've beaten them convincingly. So I think that's a very good pick. I would have done the same. Of course, I'm going to take To be honest, both. I only did it just to mess with you because I knew you would want them. <laughs> Well, that's a good good job, but I think I actually get a little bit of value here. Of course, I'm going to take uh, both Virginia and Michigan State. I think these are two of the most complete teams in the entire country throughout the season. They both have excellent coaches. They both have excellent systems. They're both kind of they're not blue bloods, but they're name brand programs. So uh, obviously, I like those kind of teams. And I'm going to leave it with your team, Auburn. You probably this draft probably worked out the best you could probably have it. Played right into my strategy. strategy. Well played. Well, according to the betting odds, obviously I have the two favorites, so I'm happy with that. Uh, but I do think Texas Tech is is the, the right move to pick uh, in this draft. We're going to move on to what we do every show here. What is annoying us right now? It's basically where we talk about the weird little things that are annoying us in our lives <laughs> in, in society. Darren, we'll start with you. Everyone knows it's almost 
tax day, April 15th. If you don't file for an extension in a former life, I was a CPA. I guess I still have my CPA, but it's inactive. So what annoys me is when I pay my estimated taxes early for the next year. And then at the end of the year, I still somehow owe more taxes. You are a business owner. So obviously there's a little bit of differences there, right? No, man. There's not that much differences. I mean, paying estimated taxes means that it's kind of a good thing, which means I made more money than I was supposed to this past year. But I don't, I mean, it just sucks. Like I paid up front. So basically you're prepaying your taxes and then you owe more than you thought you were going to owe at the end of the year. It is really disappointing. That happened to me one time. Uh, and you expect to get money too, because obviously the majority of people get money. It's called a tax refund, not a tax what you owe. Uh, and so you expect to get that money back. Then obviously you have to send a check into the government. That's That's got to be very, very frustrating. Um, interesting. You know, that, that's kind of a, a very normal thing, I think, to be annoyed about. I don't even know if that's annoyed. That might be more frustration. So um, you usually like to do little weird, petty things that are very specific to us, more like kind of pet peeves than real kind of life issues. Um, but but I respect where you're coming from. Yo, man, this this probably annoys everyone. No, it's it, okay. That, that's fair. We, we we won't we won't kind of. <laughs> all right, that's fine. It, it is annoying, and uh, no one likes to give money to the government. Mine's a little a little bit lighter. Um, Word takeout today from a pie place that I trust that I know. Um, you know, I never like to get bean sprouts on my noodles, my pad thai, and we can kind of go into that a little bit later about why I don't like that. But of course, this time they did not remember to take the bean sprout down. I had a boatload of bean sprouts throughout my otherwise very, very good pad thai lunch. So that was very annoying. If you want to talk about why bean sprouts are annoying, most Thai places put so many of them. They completely dominate the dish. I don't like the texture. They don't really add anything to the dish. I just don't understand why people feel the need to put bean sprouts in everything they in their dish. They a nice crunch. Is it really crunchy though? This isn't like a peanut. Like, you, you know, they already put peanuts in there. That's great uh, for crunch. This is kind of like a soft, weird crunch, not like, like a like a carrot. It's a veggie crunch. Yeah, I don't like, I don't, I don't want veggie crunches. I want like, like crispy crunches. Well, just uh, take them off and feed them to Dexter. That's the problem. Dexter's my dog, by the way. Great call out. Um, you can't really remove bean sprouts. They're, they're slimy. They're deep in there. There's, there's so many of them. Um, it's not like, a, you know, I don't like tomatoes either. You can just slide that out. If they put a tomato on your burger in and out, so easy to take that out. Bean sprouts, once they're there, you're completely stuck with them. That's another thing I don't like about bean sprouts. So that's what's annoying us right now. If you're looking to sponsor that segment, I'm sure there's all kinds of people that would love to sign up for it. You can always contact, contact us, excuse me, again at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. If you have any feedback for either Darren or I, you can go to my Twitter handle at smaxwell713. You can, of course, leave comments anywhere you like to get your podcast: iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, our heart, wherever you like to get your podcast from. If you like this, please subscribe. If you like this a lot, please give us five stars. If you didn't like it that much, please give us four stars. Anything below that, you can email myself and give you your feedback. Uh, and if you want to, of course, give any questions for us to read on the air, we'd be happy to do that. We love talking sports gambling. We love talking sports. We'll be happy to talk about your question as well. For episode two, that was Darren. I'm Sam Maxwell. We'll see you next time. Some people say this town don't look good in the snow. Sunshine, where the days are longer, the nights are stronger than... 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.